0: Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the legend, Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing?
1: Happy Halloween. How you doing?
0: <laughs> I was going to say to you, happy belated Boom. Halloween.
1: <laughs> hey, yeah, if you, anybody didn't get their, you know, sufficient sugar intake yesterday, come on over, come on over, I'm i'm happy to share even with some of you goblins out there um, <laughs> yeah there's a few out there ken no there's, shortage there's, of goblins there's a couple of ghouls and goblins out there but uh we we try to treat everybody well and so i have some stuff for you um if you guys were left out and i know that it must have been great over to right out residence in tennessee it must have been a great day going around i know it was great with me with my grandchildren but it must have been great also over there you know um i heard unfortunately that you treated everyone as you always do really great except the people that turned up as uh brady uh <laughs> masks i i heard they didn't get the greatest um they you suddenly you ran out of candy i no, uh,
0: those people those people got candy the people i really like got athletic greens you already know it My favorite supplement under the sun. If there's one thing that I take every day, Teddy, it's Athletic Greens. We'll come back to them.
1: That's why you're doing so well. That's why you're looking so good. Um,
0: That's why I'm not the most popular guy in the neighborhood with the kids.
1: Well, you're looking good and you're getting ready. It's a perfect spot for me to remember because I had it in my mind to say good luck in the New York Marathon you have coming up. I know you're in training for that. You just came off of the London Marathon, which you came in second in your age group in the World Championships, which, again, I'm very proud of you. And uh, I know you're ready for the New York Marathon, which is huge. And, uh, you know, I tell you, you've run more marathons than these freaking fighters (laughs) fight fight. (laughs) fights. I I mean, if if some of these fighters, uh, especially the, the champions, if they would defend their titles, if they would be as active, half as active as you are, Forget about it. I mean they they'd be like uh you know, they'd never they'd never relinquish their title. Let me <laughs> shut off this fax machine just to prove that I am old school. <laughs> I have a very good fax machine, very determined. <laughs> it doesn't shut off so easily. You know, you people out there feel bad for you. You have to email, you have to do computer stuff, and all that, not me. Fax machine and very determined. Very (laughs) determined. Uh, You shut it off, it comes back on. Um, Yeah. Good luck in the New York Marathon. I know you're getting ready. I know you. You got plenty of sugar for your. You know, uh, if you need a little boost. Obviously, the timing has been perfect uh, as far as throwing that in. But yeah, I heard. I did hear that uh, there's a there was a few Brady masks that um showed up and they're gonna be in. Their health is gonna be better. (laughs) their diet is gonna be better uh but they they weren't real happy i mean athletic greens is great they were looking for something (laughs) less great uh a little bit more sugary but i understand and by the way you have to be happy with the way your patriot team is performing i'm gonna go back from a week ago when i said they could win the division and then you reminded me that buffalo was in a division and then i backtracked i said all right maybe maybe next year but they're gonna have a shot for the wild card they're a team on to come they're a team that's improving all the time uh this quarterback is the real deal that my son said was the real deal coming out when he was evaluating all the quarterbacks coming out last year and um you know what i'm gonna say that I'm on the right track here. That And I'm going to go back now and say, you know, maybe they don't have to wait to next year. Maybe they're going to overcome Buffalo. Buffalo lost the game. And, uh, you know, the Patriots are right on their heels. The Patriots are an improving team.
0: They're, they're good. They, got, they still got two against Buffalo in like six weeks and eight weeks. They got them at home and then two weeks later away. So that's going to be an entertaining matchup for sure.
1: No, it's going to be great. Listen, I I really like the acquisitions they made, the drafts they made. Um, of course, you still got Belichick. I didn't see too many Belichick masks out there. Nobody thinks to going to. That's kind of like, you, you know, that's kind of like wearing the Grinch mask around Christmas. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he's great. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but not too many people wanna to, want to see a guy...
0: He's not exactly a barrel of laughs.
1: No, no, he's he's <laughs> he's not. He's uh he he certainly is not. But anyway, good to see you. Good luck in that marathon. Tell me a little bit about how many people are in are you in a separate category in the New York Marathon? How's that work?
0: There's like fifty thousand, forty, fifty thousand oh. total. Wow. But um I will race in the um obviously i'll be in my own age group i will be trying to obviously win that but there's a master's division too, 40 40 and over that i would love to win that as well so you just never know who's going to show up there could be some like current pros that just turned 40 bernard Lagat. there's a bunch of guys that are that are like legit like professional marathon runners but if those guys don't show up i don't think any age groupers over 40 are going to beat me
1: No, I don't either, but I'm going to go back and, and jump on you a little bit. You're part of my team over here. You don't say if they don't show up. Let them show up. Let them show up. Let them show up. Invite them to show up. Bring them. Because we're still going to beat them. We're going to take them on. We're going to give everything we can. And you know what? My money's on you. My money's on Thank you and Athletic Teddy. Greens. And um, <laughs> and, su- and Swedish fish. I've been eating a lot of Swedish fish. <laughs> because my grandson, my grandson, God bless him. You know, I got two beautiful grandsons and one beautiful granddaughter. And... The one that's here living with me, my grandson who's four years old, little Joseph, and little Teddy is in Vegas, of course, and our uh, little Mara is here with me too. And I tell you, he—he's going up to houses, and I'm—I'm I'm, everyone's grandson. They loves them and loves their grandparents. I get it. I'm not unique, but it feels so. Special. Special and it feels unique when your grandson goes up and they come out with a basket of candy and he looks through it for Swedish Fish and he says I'm getting these for my papa he likes these <laughs> <laughs> that's nice <laughs> that that just that that is a uh that's like winning a world title that, yep. it doesn't get much better than that so take me where we're gonna go there Kenneth
0: all right. We've got to make up ground. We've got to go back two weeks. Shakur Stevenson gets the win over Jamel Herring. Um, probably as expected. Yeah. The young up and comer takes out the old lion. Felt terrible for Jamel Herring. I love him. He's such a nice guy, but Shakur Stevenson put it on him pretty good. Maybe Jamel won around here or there. I, I'd be hard-pressed to find more than one or two rounds to give to Jamel. And uh, finally, Shakur stopped him in the 10th round. Um, a lot of talking in the build-up to this one that I didn't really appreciate from Shakur. I thought it was a bad matchup for Jamel anyway. I get it. You want to get inside the guy's head. But they come kind of come from the same camp, more or less. They're all kind of in that little circle with Andre Ward, uh, our friend um, Bud Crawford. So it was, it was a little bit upsetting to see him talk so much crap about Jamel herring who's not that kind of person but they looks like they brushed it all under the rug after the fight but tell me what you saw in that one would you like
1: oh yeah i i understand what you're saying um herring is just taking nothing away from Shakur, the kind of human being he is uh we know a little bit more at least I feel we do about Herring. He's a you know, he's a former Marine. I shouldn't even say former Marine. Marines say there's never former. You're a Marine. You're a Marine for life. So he's a Marine. Um you know, he he was Olympic representative, uh, as as Shakur was. Shakur actually won a silver medal. Um uh, Herring is, is I think a poster child Everything that's good about boxing. I mean, he's that kind of human being, and hopefully Shakur can can do that too, and be be emulate that, and be that kind of person, and be that kind of example, that kind of leader, that kind of you know, if you want to get out there, you know, that kind of role model. Uh, I know they don't have a responsibility. I remember Charles Barkley saying that many years ago. They don't have a responsibility to be a role model, but you know what, they are. Uh, within their circles um, uh, of the sport, that kids happen w- to follow, and and the kids that follow boxing and uh, see a young Shakur won a silver. He might be, he just might be a role model uh, for them. So I I wish him as much luck with that as I do in the ring. Uh, he was, I I had picked. We had talked about this about a month ago, and um, we covered it real quick. About a month ago, and um, I had picked, I had picked Shakur. It wasn't a tough pick, but I had picked him to win. He was, he was obviously younger, bigger, uh, just, just more, just, just had a little bit more size to him, or uh, physicality to him. Uh, you know, neither one of them are huge punches and Shakur definitely isn't. But he was just—I felt that he was bigger. Faster, younger, and I guess better. Uh, uh, he It was the perfect example of there was nothing really that Herring could do that Stevenson couldn't do better. Yeah. And it, it really felt that way. It felt preordained. It felt like I knew who was going to win before it was over. And part of that feeling was, quite frankly, again, we don't mask things so we feel is the truth to be on somebody's good side who gives a freak about being on someone's good side how about being on the right side and tell the truth no matter what how about that how about that so i just felt that part of that feeling was enhanced by the commentators that that if you listen to the commentator there was no reason to watch the fight i mean you know who was going to win i mean you talk about getting preferential preferential treatment he got that he, he he got that i mean obviously we know one of the broadcasters you just touched on and andre ward uh, manages as part of the management team uh, advisory team management team uh for Shakur. well it sure as hell felt that way uh he, again it just felt that everything was on herring really truly was fighting an uphill battle uh everything was against him everything and listen, I'm going to say things that maybe some people get brainwashed a little bit because when you're listening to the commentator and they're only saying one thing, you, sometimes you, you do through osmosis, you get brainwashed a little bit, you get hypnotized a little bit, and you might think that it was uh, you know it was just one guy in the ring. Uh, but it wasn't. I want to say that that might have been the best performance I ever saw herring in. Yeah, I, because what he was up against, as I just described he was He was outgunned, but he behaved like a well like a champion and like a marine, quite frankly, he didn't go away and he He forced Stevenson to up his game he he forced him to up his game. Stevenson's a talented kid he's not a big puncher, but he's he's got talent in all the other areas and technically knows what he's doing the people are doing a good a good job a good job with him physically he's got the talent blah 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 um at the end of the day, you're attached to your temperament. His temperament is to be cautious. His temperament is not to be Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns, Gunslingers. Uh, Leonard was a guy looking to grab your soul. Yeah, he was. He had that great smile. He had the 7-Up commercial. You know, he, he was great. He was great. Had great talent, and there were great fighters around. Much better fighters, you know, in that era, in the 80s. Um, uh, You know, not that there's not good fighters today, but there were special fighters in those days, and more special was they fought each other. But... Let it, what made him different and special was his talent, everything that I just talked about, but he wanted to grab your soul. He wanted a freaking, like a Kung Fu guy. He wanted to go right through your chest and pull your freaking heart out. I mean, at the end of the day, he had that part to him. Yeah, with the nice, beautiful, you know, teeth smiling and everything else, you didn't, you might not have thought that with the beautiful talent. You might not have thought that. It was that. That's what made him so free. Ask Tommy Hearns in their first fight. You know, that's what made him so special. And um, he, I just felt that Herring forced forced Shakur, Shakur, the closest he's been forced, to come a little bit out of his safety zone because his temperament is to be careful. He's got all that talent, but he fights safe. And he fights cautious. And he doesn't go to that next place. Shakov was forced by Herring to go to that next place. Uh, I'm not sure he quite went to that next place that I envision as that next place when I talk about guys like Leonard and those kind of guys. Um, but he went to a further place than he had been before. He went out of his comfort zone. Um, he did a little more. Because he's a guy who usually does just enough to get by. And people could knock me all they want and say, oh, Teddy, it's enough to win. I got you. I got you. But it's probably not enough to have a documentary made about him the way it was made about Sugar Ray and Tommy Hearns and Duran and Marvin Hagler back in the 80s. Probably not. And why? Because he doesn't go and take your soul. Because he doesn't because he doesn't regularly look to go through the house and into the rooms that are empty that nobody goes into lenin and those guys went into the they went through the freaking house they went through the freaking house and they went in every freaking room and he only goes to the rooms he has to go to and that that has showed that's why i'm talking about this that, that is really, to me, the, the heart of the conversation when it comes to Shakur, that will he be willing to go to that place? And again, I'm sure there's a, a listener to that commentary, yeah, he went there, he went to Mount Everest. He didn't go to Mount Everest, but he did go to a further place, and I give him credit for that, and I'm giving him credit for that. And that's what I, I'm looking for with a guy like him, to, to, get, to use all that talent. And use more than a physical talent to use that other special that whether you want to call it character, whether you want to call it something that's in your craw, so that that you just want to find out you want to find out how damn far I can go. you want to find out what the air really does breathe like, feel like at the highest highest altitudes out there so he um he went a little further, and he was forced to go a little further, uh by by Herring, and I I want to applaud Herring. I I just applauded uh Stevenson in the way I feel was fitting. I want to applaud Herring. I don't think that fight should have been stopped. Um, nobody argued it. I get it, but I don't think it should have been stopped. Uh, uh do I think he was gonna uh wind up winning the fight? No. But I felt that he was still doing everything to be in the fight. And um, I just I, I, I just felt that the whole night he didn't really get his due. You know, you can lose and still get your freaking due. You know, and Sugar Ray Leonard proved that since I'm talking about Leonard, who I love so much. Um, he got that when he lost. He lost to Duran in the first fight. He got his due for the way he fought for the way he fought, for the heart he showed, for the bravery he showed, for, for the chances he took, you know, everything. He And of course he changed that up in his second fight, the Nomaz fight, um, and obviously it served him. But that first fight is where he really won fans that he hadn't won with just his talent. He he hadn't, he, he, he won a lot of people with the Olympic gold and with the talent, the golden boy, but there were fans out there still wanted to be won over by how he would behave when the time came as, a, as their feeling of being a champion, their feeling of being a fighter. And I know it's wrong sometimes. Who says you can't counter punch? Who can't, says you can't be like Shakur and be smart? and be? Uh, that's, that's what you want. That's what a good trainer wants, of course. That's what I want. But yours will want to just know that, well, that's driving a car in the trunk. <laughs> in the trunk <laughs> of the car is that, is that guy. You just want to know that. And Leonard showed you that. Leonard made fans in that first Durant fight trust him, that they feel like, I can trust this guy. He's more than good looks. He's more than just God-given talent. You know, he's more than just a guy who got more than we got. You know, when when it came to the talent pool and and what what the genetic pool, he's more than that. He's a guy who also will reach down, which we have to do every freaking day. You know, that's <laughs> that's yeah. And and they want to see that with Shakur, I think, with a, with that talent. And and they got a little bit of a peek that he's he is capable and willing to go that little extra and. And um, but Herring was the guy who made him go that extra, which a lot of people probably didn't think he would have to make him, or he would make him go that extra. And again, Herring is—I uh, I think he beats a lot of guys that night, other than Shakur. Ch- uh, yeah, that night, uh, I you know agree. he. Yeah, he. I, I think it was his best performance ever. I know what I'm saying, even though he lost. I get it. That's it, Ken. That's that's my uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yep,
0: I'm in full agreement. Uh, let's jump over to the all-action UFC where there's very few mismatches, but one of the first right out the gate was an absolute beatdown by Islam Makachev on Dan Hooker, the sturdy and dependable Dan Hooker, who's been in with a bunch of guys and is tough as they come. And, oh, my God, Teddy, it looked like a knife through hot butter. He ran him right over, submitted him. I mean, he was ruthless. He looks unstoppable at 155, dying to hear your thoughts on this one.
1: Yeah, listen, I can't argue with anything you just said, Ken. And um, But I will say Hook is a guy who, you know, is, I don't know if he's shopped one, or, uh, but he is that great rock, um, but the great rock that keeps getting banged at and And when it's banged that that often um it starts to chip it it starts to chip a little bit you know he's he's been getting banged at, and he's that great rock and he represents everything you said a test um to this kid uh a guy who's reliable, a guy who's who's a monster when it comes to heart, and you know dealing with what he has to deal with and finding a way. But he has been a rock that's been getting banged at, banged at, and and starts to chip a little bit. But uh, the first thing I think about Islam, I think about Khabib, uh, because yeah. he's a, he's a, he's from that stable, he's from that part of the world, he's from that uh, he's from that mindset, he's from that teaching, he's from that style, and I think you have to mention it because. It shows, number one. But it shows in more than physical traits and physical ways. Where you see the way he does his thing, where he does his business, you know, in the way that he does it. It's the way he carries himself. It's 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 almost like there's a there's almost like this there's, there's an air that was with Habib. Habib was more than just a great wrestler and a great UFC fighter and a great champion. He had gotten to that almost mythical, mystical place where as hard as these guys are to intimidate, uh, Khabib got to a place where he he influenced them in a negative. I'm not going to say intimidate because these guys are what they are, but he got to a place where he influenced them negatively in mental areas. Khabib got, that was part of his power. I know it was his wrestling and his strength and all those, all those, all those things, and the technique and the confidence, the belief that he had. Um, his upbringing with his father, the training methods, you know, his destiny—what was driven into him to be his destiny—kind uh, of like a Tiger Woods by his father that he's going to be the greatest golfer you know, or, or Lomachenko by his father, you're going to be the greatest fighter. Uh, from an early point, his father drove that into him. And when he got in the ring, it was more than just his physical, technical talent. It, it got to the place, Ken, where Khabib had a different advantage. He had kind of what Duran had and Sonny Liston had and Mike Tyson had when they were at their best. Uh, just something that came with them, uh, a reputation, an influence of over these fighters that they were dealing with something special, something scary. Now, listen, I, I, when you're fighting a great puncher or real fast guys, I get it. That's they, something to be wary of. And you are wary of it. And you're prepared for it. Uh, and these guys face those guys, right, Ken? They face those yep. guys. But I'm talking about different here. I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about they're the boogeyman. That's what I'm talking about. That, that it's one thing that if you know you're fighting Frankenstein, you know, when you're a kid, you're thinking, well, he's slow and he comes at you and he's scary, you know, and Dracula, just make sure he don't, make sure that Frankenstein don't get his hands on you, make sure Dracula doesn't bite you in the neck. You know, those, those guys all I get it, but the boogeyman the boogeyman, comes from the dark. Nobody really knows who he is. They just know he's the boogeyman. (laughs) He's the boogeyman. And Khabib has that boogeyman about him. And so does Islam, where, again, it's almost mystical and mythical already already. Now he's got an advantage because he's following Khabib. It took Khabib his whole career to get that. And this guy's going to get it sooner because he's attached to that. But that's what I felt when I was watching this. I felt not that Hooker was evaporated mentally or diminished mentally or damaged mentally but there was, but put it this way, he, I think he felt different. I think they all feel different going in there with Khabib in the past and this guy now. They feel different because of the boogeyman effect. Yep. Uh, that that there's something about this guy, these guys, the way they carry themselves. The way they look, the part of the world they come from, the way they're taught, where they have a reputation of being the best in that area, but but more than just that. Just a silent killer look, just a just something else that's going with them in the air. Yeah. And I felt that. I felt that. Want to just say specialness? Okay. I felt that. Specialness. And then, when you have a great talent, we all know what his great talent is, same as Khabib, getting on the floor and getting those guys there. He feels he can't get beat there. Well, just like if you have, say, a great punch, like Wilder. Wilder had a great... Unfortunately, he didn't learn the things he needed to learn to go to, you know, to completely bolster that and and be put around that to supplement it. But if you have that power, and there was a period of time up until, you know, the second fight with with Fury where Wilder had to, the power was one thing, but you had to have the delivery system. And you know what? It's the same thing in anything. And I saw that. I saw the same thing there. He had to have the delivery system to get to the floor to where his strengths are, to where his powers, to where his advantages. And he's developed that to his credit. I always say these guys that are great have to be smart. They have to be intellectual. And to his credit, Islam developed a delivery system where he throw, he'll throw that right hook, I think from the South Pole position if my memory serves me right, he will throw that right hook uh, as a throwaway punch to the head and then real quickly come in low for the shoot to get where he really wants to get, but that's his delivery system to 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 get there. To ensure that he'll get there. To ensure what I've always talked about, it's about geography. That he'll get the geography that gives him an advantage. The geography that he needs to have the best chance to win. So he's got that delivery side. That's the first thing, me looking at the things analytically the way I do as a trainer. First thing that got my attention. And and I tweeted it. Um, I was surprised that my my guys over there at the UFC headquarters didn't put it up. I feel a little bad sometimes. They used to put them up. Or, you know, I felt bad. I said, gee, you didn't put them up. You're not putting them up as much as you used to put them up. <laughs> oh, my god! And I still love them. Love all those guys. But I, I said, gee, maybe they'll put that. But Rob told me we had a huge reaction to those tweets and I think yep. that's because the people realize that these things are part of it you know uh, you could be the greatest grappler the greatest wrestler but you can't be if you're not on the floor in position to to use those skills so he has that delivery system and I wanted to I wanted to give him credit for it because it was terrific and <laughs> Matter of fact, one of the commentators, I think, it was DC, who's terrific. Also, I think they're all terrific. He he did give them, I think, credit for that. But, um, or maybe it was uh, Bis Bis um, Bis Bisping? Bisping. Bisping, yeah. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. That I'm not, Austin Wells of commentators over here. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. And uh, and it just happens to be about one of the English brothers that I love so much, and that we we have crumpets together. It wasn't purposeful. It wasn't purposeful. It wasn't any kind of uh, uh, mal intent involved. It's just me not knowing how to pronounce my freaking words sometimes. But I know what I want to talk about, and it was just to re- respect him and give him credit, Islam for developing that system to get to where he needs to get to and boy i i've said it years for years only certain fighters have ever gotten to that place where they have supreme confidence supreme confidence where you they really believe there's no way on earth you can beat them he's he's one of those rare guys that has that he 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 really has that like habib did and I think that's part of the boogeyman. That's part of the mythotism. That's part of the mystique. Uh, part of what they inherit through osmosis, what they get taught, where they come from and the way they're taught is that they do get to that place. They do get... It's not an accident. They do get fed that, that attitude, that belief that they can't lose. They can't be beat. And uh, so... You know, his conditioning is straight, everything is superb, but uh he's got the he's got the delivery system to use those things. And I just I just wanted to make sure that I mentioned that other element. That element that uh the special ones get. That you know, that when Michael Jordan walked out on the floor I <laughs> I'm sure that there were plenty of great basketball players, really good basketball players that just felt a little air go out of the room <laughs> when the great one, when the king, walked out on that floor, you know? And, and yep. same, thing, same thing here. Once he got to the geography that he, that he wanted, it, it kind of looks like the spider that gets the beetle onto his web
0: yeah <laughs> you know right. like
1: like like it's over like the be the poor beetle knows it i'm getting eaten you know what i mean like well, it's like over. making
0: I'm, a mis- like making a mistake on your taxes and the irs sends you a letter you know it's over you're going to be in this quagmire for a long time even if you're dead right you're wrong
1: 100 percent. you're in the 100%. web you're in the web and and that's <laughs> you're in the web and, and and the IRS or the beetle uh is is you know uh the spider or the IRS they they got their they got their teeth out or whatever spiders have <laughs> uh whatever they are they they're ready to put them into you they're ready to yep. put them into you and like i said you, you, there, there ain't no getting out of that freaking
0: thing yep well that brings us to the uh co-main Corey sanhagen and petra Jan Jan in action again after that um disqualification against uh Aljamain sterling he lost his belt um Again, Petr Jan's like one of those Dagestani guys where he's just all business. Like something about him makes you nervous. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because as I was watching them fighting, Corey Sandhagen looked really good at times. I thought that, I thought technically they were almost dead even, but there was something. Jan just seemed to be a little stronger, a little faster and crack a little bit harder. And again, I thought technically they were close, but you could just see Jan was just like a, I don't know what, maybe just, like I said, stronger, faster. I'm dying to hear your thoughts on this because Sanhagen had his opportunities, but Jan just seemed to never go away, like he was indestructible. And Sanhagen was marked up from body kicks and head kicks. I mean, he was taking shots that you could see it wearing on him, his body, his face. Jan just seemed to be like the Terminator just kept coming.
1: Yeah, listen, pressure breaks pipes and it breaks people, and that's part of the game for Jan. Um, Let's get that out of the way. But... Where I, I agree with you and I disagree, where I completely disagree with you, where I agree with you is they're both good technically in their realms, but they are two diverse guys technically, they couldn't be more diverse, completely different guys technically where one guy, San Hagen's approach is to use his legs to move, he's very versatile that's his strength. And he uses his legs and his reach. He's got good long arms um, to, to move, to control the, the uh, outside of the, the parameters of the ring, if you will, um, to, to keep range, uh, to use his legs defensively as well as offensively, defensively to keep a strong guy like Jan, which he is, off balance, and to also set up Pot shot opportunities, combination opportunities um, while he's on the move, while he's on the go. So, two different styles. And both of them good with their technique. His technique, again, San Hagen is to to move, to pot shot, to box, um, you know, and then every once in a while mix in a knee kick, and he shows good athleticism there. Great versatility. You know who um, he reminds
0: me of? He almost I- exactly, I think of every time I see him is Dominic Cruz. He moves like him. He, he he jumps around. He's like in and out, just like Dominic Cruz with the flying knees. And he's like, like yeah, you said, he's really knees. versatile.
1: No, he is. He's very versatile. And he, you know, he understands again what his ideas, his identity It's very important for a person in any business, in every act of life, you know, any vocation, to know what they are, to, to understand what their identity is. And in fighting, no different. You got to understand what's your identity. you guy going to walk a guy down. You're a guy who's going to set traps. You're a guy who's going to move and use his legs. What's your identity? And he understands his identity. And he uses it consistently. And he, he did a really good, he came well-prepared, um, for what he was facing. He knew exactly what he had to do because he knew exactly what he was facing. And like I said, he, he used the ring. He, he fought to keep Jan off balance, to use his uh, length to keep separation. When I say length, I mean reach with his hands, his arms. And Jan is, is a steady, solid guy whose strength is to put pressure on you, to wear you down, and to use timing to negate speed, where sometimes Sanhagen might have been a little quicker with his punches on the outside, where Jan started to change that fight by getting in position and timing some of those shots. really good at throwing them at the right time accurate time shots and the other strength of Jan and it goes hand in hand with what his temperament is what his style is you know the style again the style of San Hagen is to box to move so he's got to have good legs he's got to have good agility he's got to have long arms to, to take advantage of being on the outside Jan to press somebody and to time somebody he needs legs too, but in a different way, he needs legs where he can walk a guy down, where he can get in position and where he's always balanced, where he's never out of position, where he's never reaching, where he's never off balance he's always set, kind of like in a way I give Inoue away a lot of credit a lot of times for this, but I do it again I don't care in a way, the Japanese champion world champion um uh, Who's already won titles? He's undefeated, of course. He's already won world titles at three different weight divisions, and he's already in the you know pound for pound list. For me, he's he's way up on the pound for pound. He's probably in the top three already, three or four, um, pound for pound in the world. So it reminds me of in a way where he's he's all, in a way is always balanced. He's always in position with his legs to throw hard, meaningful punches. And that's Jan. He's always balanced and in position, Ken, to throw hard, effective, meaningful punches. And he won the fight by, it was a close fight, and he won the fight by throwing the harder, or landing and throwing the harder, more effective punches. Doing more damage. Doing a little more damage. And, or landing the more telling punches, the more effective punches, whichever way you want to verbalize it. And he he understood what he was gonna deal with. He had to cut the ring down, you know, he had to be consistent, he had to be steady, he had to be he had to be reliable, he had to, you know, just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, you know, where he's gonna he's gonna slow the guy down. And he got to that point where the pressure slowed down. sanhagen down where he could time him with more shots where he could get to geography again that he needed his geography was to be close sanhagen's geography quest was to try to keep separation to try to be at a distance um and they both were successful really it's just that jan was a little more successful but having said that what really made it a great fight and really what makes you tip your hat to Sanhagen is after all that and that pressure, dealing with all of that, he won the fifth round. He pulls yeah. himself together, son of a gun. He pulls himself together, and he goes out there looking like he was maybe starting to be controlled, dominated is too strong a word, but controlled, um, and then all of a sudden the fifth round, he goes out there, and he gets to boxing. He gets to getting full extension, and again, which he had early in a, in a round. But he got back to doing it, and he, he won that round. But Jan had the lead, and I thought the decision went the right way because he did more damage. But I got to give them, both of them a lot of credit, and great fight, tremendous, like I said, in the last round for for Sanhagen at that point after 20 minutes to go out there and do what he had to do and win a round like he did. The thing that I thought Jan did wrong in that round and in the rounds where he got outboxed a little bit was when he didn't use the jab enough. The jab is so important for two reasons when you're a guy like Jan. One is when a guy's outside potshotting, Ken, the jab of yours will stabilize him. It will control him. It will keep him... It will keep him from dominating. Give him something to think about. You know, give him a taste of his own medicine. And it's so important to use that jab with those kind of guys. He's he wasn't using his jab, yarn enough in those spots. And another another reason why, if you're the yarn and you're obviously a little shorter, you know, in your stature and your in your physical size, you're a little shorter. You want to get close. There's no better way to press than behind the jab to keep the guy from pot-shotting you, to keep, like I used to say on ESPN, I'm sure somebody's probably saying it now. (coughs) They (laughs) might be using that term now. But anyway, the way I used to say was, put bugs on the guy's windshield. What did I mean by that? I meant the jab. The jab is putting bugs on a guy's windshield where it's hard for him to get vision to have clear vision, to see you coming. The bugs on the windshield is the jab. And that's what that's what Jan needed to do when he was pressing in the fifth round. Press behind the jab. Don't just press. Press behind the jab. Put bugs on the windshield of Sanhagen where it's harder for him to catch you, counter you, time you, whatever the freak you want to call it, coming in. But that's, both of them, both of them were just, was just tremendous it was a great fight um I feel in summing this one up I feel that san Hagen you know that was for the interim title i I felt that san Hagen when he gets to these moments to be a champion he's really good but the guys that he at that next level and the guy that in this this was his first title but when he's at that top top place the guys that he comes in second to are really tremendous they're great they're special they're really good he doesn't lose to guys good he loses only to the guys really good and for me that was the case where he was good enough to be he was good enough to be a world champion if he had a little bit more luck in the draw of who was going to be there that night for the title. He's good yeah. enough, but he ain't quite good enough when it's somebody that, in other words, to beat him, you got to be special. And I feel that San Hagen right now for me is kind of a little bit of a, a gatekeeper in the way that if you... You gotta if if you want to be champion, you can get past this guy. You deserve to be champion. Yeah, you know, and and he's he he's that gatekeeper. And I think he's gonna one day be more than a gatekeeper. I think he's gonna go through that gate himself. I, I I I feel because at the end of the day, all of this will get him to that place. All of this experience. You know all of the things that that you go through and that you can learn um when you have the right attitude and he has the right attitude you can see it uh, he's gonna wind up being uh, relinquishing that title as gatekeeper one day and going through the freaking gate and being yep. a world champion himself, but I wanted to say it that way, and i I felt that that's well that's what I saw. Well, before we
0: get into the main event, Teddy, I just want to take a quick minute to give a shout out to to my favorite insurance company. And these guys insure my most important asset, me, Athletic Greens. Shout out to these guys. I love them. As you know, I've been taking this stuff every day for the last several years. I travel with it. I take these travel packs everywhere I go. These guys spent 10 years with top doctors and nutritionists getting this formula right. It tastes good. It's good for you. And again, I consider it like an insurance policy for my body's immunity and overall health. Never go anywhere without them, honestly. If you go to Athletic Greens now, use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, at checkout, they'll give you 10 free travel packs with your first order. Awesome value, can't say enough good things about these guys, and honestly, I never go a day without it. If people ask me all the time, what do you take for training here, there? If there was one thing I took that I would tell you to take, it would be Athletic Greens. I take it every single day. And um, look, at we all have our top priority and responsibility every day should be to our own health. And that goes above everything else because without your health, you're useless to anyone else. So if you don't take care of your top responsibility, you... Well, you're doing everyone around you're doing yourself and everyone around you a disservice. So shout out Athletic Greens. Check them out. Use the promo code ATLAS ATLAS for special offer. Thanks, Athletic Greens, for being with us. Love having you on the team. Teddy, let's talk about the main event. Oh my god, Glover Tech Sarah gets the upset victory over Jan Blahovich. When I first moved to Westchester from New York City, when I had my second, my third son, uh, we moved out to the country and my landscaper was a Brazilian guy and he knew I liked fights watching the UFC and he said to me, oh, one of my guys on my crew is Glova Texera. And I was just, I, I couldn't help but to think about that as he was standing there at 42, the new light heavyweight champion of the world in the UFC was like landscaping in Westchester you know, 12, 13 years ago. Even then, he was, you know, in his prime and now 42 years old to win the title. Man, it was so awesome to see. Super happy for him. Both very nice guys. The, hard to root against Jan, but, man, it was nice to see Glover get the win. And uh, two awesome sportsmen after the after the um, fight congratulating each other. It was fun to see. How would you like it?
1: When I watched that, I watched George Foreman. That's what I saw. I saw George Foreman. I uh, George Foreman won the heavyweight title at what forty five? Tukarish yeah. does something so difficult, so almost impossible. He wins and that does doesn't only win it at forty two, wins it against a tremendous tremendous champion, a guy who had beaten a great Adesanya. When Adesanya, of course, moved up in weight, you know, to do something that shows you how special Adesanya is, that he had that he that he had. Not just the courage, they all have courage. But he had it inside him to to wanna move up to to take that challenge. To take that challenge, to find out. And a lot of guys wouldn't have moved up from middleweight to light heavyweight. Azasanya does that. He got beat by Blahovic and um only because of how good Blahovich is. So so Tugzera didn't only do something extraordinary at 42, he did something extraordinary at 42 against somebody extraordinary. And I mean Blohovich, when I say George Foreman, because George Foreman did it at forty five, but also because of the power and the punch. Uh, I mean George George, you know, I mean he he could hit a tree and take it out of its roots. Um, you know, same thing for Blohovich. I mean, the old timers would say he hit you on top of the head, fracture your ankles, you know. Uh Blohovich is that kind of puncher. And and zero beat that guy. And so just, it was just a great feel-good story and fight. It, it really, really was. Uh, as you said, sportsmanship. I mean, where do you see Texera after the first round? Well, he's got, he's got Blahovic on the floor, uh, on the ground, on his back. And what does he do? He, he helps him up. <laughs> and then he goes back to try to kill him. But he, <laughs> but he, but he helps him up. I mean, you talk about sportsmanship. Take take a look at that fight, all of yous out there. Uh, just tremendous respect and and just tremendous, uh, you know, just just two v- savages that happen to be gentlemen too. Um, you know, savages in their realm, but real gentlemen as people i
0: saw a video the night before the fight they were both happened to be in the same restaurant in uh where was it? abu dhabi and um jan came over and gave um glover a, a polish beer that he brought for him as a birthday present said something like you can drink it after the fight and gave it to him and they were like you know night before the fight it was it was awesome to see i saw yeah, the video and, and posted so, on
1: instagram it doesn't take away any of their competitiveness any of their you know their commitment to destroying the other guy yeah. what made it special was knowing what was at stake it was the last shot for tuxero the guy that was a landscaper. Definitely. the guy the guy that was a landscaper as you said ken a guy that uh thank god you never told him he didn't cut the hedges properly thank god <laughs> thank ken Please, I wouldn't have to show with my partner. I want to have it with right now. Thank God you didn't say your pruning is a little, uh, a little to be, you know, questioned here. Oh yeah, how about I prune your head? So, <laughs> so thank God for that. That's that's uh, you always were a gentleman, and thank God. The thing that made it extra extra was again knowing that this guy, th- this beast of a man who had been dedicated to this business for 20 years this was going to be he had one title shot before this was going to be his last title shot this was going to be it this was it lights out after this no one that that's on the line that you're you know this you're not you're not getting you know you're not getting another go around and To know that that was at stake, I felt it, I felt it, and he had that advantage. I think that's an advantage that you can't quantify. You really can't quantify it. Um, They're both prepared. They're both strong. They're both this. They're both. I get it. Uh, He's tremendous on the mat. Tremendous. Matter of fact, in the first round, I tweeted that this is this is savage chess. They're on the mat, but they're playing chess, getting moves, making little moves, the technique involved, everything on the floor. This is savage chess on the floor. You know, like when you go to a resort when you were a kid, and if you were lucky enough to go to uh, some kind of resort or someplace with your parents, and, and outside they had the dartboard, and they had all those different kind of festivities uh, to play, but... You also had the giant chessboard, remember that Ken? The giant <laughs> chessboard with the giant chess pieces bigger than you, and you <laughs> yeah, could, yeah, and you could walk out on the floor of that, and you can move the chess pieces around on the floor while you're standing there. Well, that's what this was. This they they were moving these giant chess pieces around on the floor, uh, in that first round, and we're, they weren't just laying on each other. They were looking for an edge. They were looking uh, for a, any kind of advantage they could get. So you, you got that. The first round, and you got the geography playing in there again. You got Tixera getting where he wants. He's got the edge down there. He's got the edge down there. I would say probably that uh, Blahovich has the edge standing up, and and he gets dominated pretty much. He gets kept on the floor. Blahovich the first round. He he's kept on the floor where Tukzara wants to keep him, and I think it was so important. Because he sent a message he sent a message right out of the gate that i 'm going i 'm going to get what i want i 'm going to be the boss i 'm going to be the champion when this night 's over and i 'm going to be the boss tonight and i 'm going to be where I want to be and there 's nothing you can do about it i'm i 'm going to i 'm going to Instill my will, my my physicality over you. I am, I am. It's going to be what I want it to be. Uh, and he sent the message: I can put you where I want to put you. That's an important message to get out of the gate. And he does that. And then, Blahova's showing the great champion that he is. The second round, he adjusts. He's standing up, and he's having success. He's he's drawing combinations. He's landing good solid getting really uh, affecting tuxera he's he's keeping enough range he's uh neither one of these guys would be called Twinklefoot. you know what i mean i mean these guys are guys that are you know these uh, these guys aren't floating around you know like a butterfly but uh you know they're 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 setting their feet and he's keeping range with his feet really set solid uh and he's getting off at the right range. He's getting off, he being, obviously, Blahovitz. He's getting off combinations, good shots. And he's, he's doing what he has to do to change the course of what happened in the first round, Fighting, choosing the right geography, the right location uh, to go about his business, to get control of this fight that he didn't have in the first round. And he's doing well because that's where he, he knew that he would he needed to be and what he needed to do and he had the intellect to do that the calm to do that the will to do that and he was doing it and then what happens to Xera well that's part of why he's a champ he shows that he can deal with that too and he times him timing beats speed remember that he goes he gets in position and he times Blahovich With a beautiful straight right hand on the chin. And then followed by a left hook. And the left hook drops him. The left hook gets him back on the floor. Where now Texera can get back to where he's got the advantage. And get the title. And, you know, get the submission. Which he worked to get that. And he got it. But what I touched on when I started talking about this fight was it was more than just both guys are serious guys, serious demeanors, especially Texera, very serious demeanors and very strong guys, strong guys. Matter of fact, you can see it. They're kind of like when I look at guys that they they, they don't necessarily, you know, go in the weight room to get their strength. They just have this this strength, like like rugby players. You look at a rugby player, like the great champion uh, Volkanowski that we had on the air not too long ago in an interview, and he was very honest. He was very, if you people haven't seen that interview, you should go watch it, and you understand what goes on in the mind of these great gladiators when they're in there, and they refuse to submit even though it looks like they, they have to submit. Well, they don't. They, cho- they change the rules. They make their own rules up, and... Fokinalski, of course, was a rugby player. And he's got that kind of physicality, and that's what these guys look like. The guys that it's not from weights; it's it's from a it's just from doing from doing things that create this strength since you were young. You know the kind of work you do, the genetics that you have. Uh, you, you just have like a, almost like a natural a natural strength. That goes beyond what you can get in the gym and on top of that I felt that Teixeira went in there with that advantage that something special being that this was gonna be his last shot very similar to Wilder in the fight with Fury I understand Wilder lost. I picked Wilder in that fight, but what I really did was I picked him to have a real chance to win against a guy who was much better than him. Much better. And that's not the case with Blahovic and Tuxera. Don't get confused what I'm saying. Uh, they're both very good. There was no big advantage there, except on the mat. But Fury had a huge advantage of knowing how to fight over Wilder, but yet I still pick Wilder. Why? I just picked him, obviously I know he has that great erase to the right hand that can get rid of a lot of sins, a lot of mistakes real quick, but I picked him f- for one reason, that he would give himself a chance to endure, to last, to overcome, And to find a way to have a chance to win. And I was right. He lost. But what was that thing that I took him, that reason I took him that gave him the chance to endure, to last, and to have a chance to find a way to win? It was because, like I said at the time, in a Rocky III movie, where... Rocky's getting ready to fight Club Lang, his greatest test, his greatest challenge, maybe his only real challenge ever. And Mickey doesn't want him to fight him. And Rocky says, why not? I'm the best. I'm the champion of the world. I beat everybody. Look at all these guys. You didn't. You beat setups. You beat guys that were setups. You beat guys that were handpicked. And now all of a sudden he's thinking, Was I ever champion? Was I ever really champion or did I just beat guys that were, as Mickey says, were handpicked? Was I ever champion? Can I walk down the street and ever feel like a champion? Can I look in the mirror and ever see a champion look back at? Was I ever champion? Or were all those guys I beat just a bunch of bowling pins that were lined up for me to knock over? Because I had a bowling ball in my right hand. And because of that, he was fighting for something special. He was fighting for his identity. He was fighting for who he freaking was. Not for a title. Not for a purse. But for something much, 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 much more than that. And I'm fighting right here with my back killing me while I do this. (laughs) But that's okay. That's what we do. We fight. We fight! And... He was fighting again for something much bigger to be able to know who he was. And Wilder showed that. And that's why he got up. That's why he came that close and dropped Fury twice in one round and came that close to being right. That's what kept him in the fight. That's what pulled him. That's what drove him. That's what gave him a chance that night. Well, the same thing. Not in the way that he had fought setups, because nobody fights setups in the UFC. But in the way that he knew this was his last champ to ever be called champion. After being a landscaper, busting his freaking rear end as a landscaper as he was training for UFC. 20 years in this freaking brutal, brutal business. All the scars, all the everything that cuts the scars the bruises all of that after 20 years of that this was his last chance to make it right to make it worthwhile you know those scars that these ufc guys have to the, the ears the the on their eyelid, on their eyebrows everything you know what they look a lot better When you look at them, when you're champion, (laughs) that's for sure. (laughs) They look a lot better. You don't regret one of them. You don't regret one of them because you know where it got you. It got you to where you wanted to be. It got you to be a world champion and called a world champion the rest of your life. That's what he was fighting for. That last chance to be what he took all those scars to be a champion. His last shot for it. He had that hovering over him, and I felt it. I really did. But as as they were getting ready, I said, "Oh my god!" I heard the announcer say, "One of them say he's a three to one dog." I said, oh, that's a good." I I I wish I had the phone number for my bookie because I just had a feeling. I just <laughs> if had. If we a, can teach well, you,
0: if we can teach you about the internet, you could have made the bet right on
1: your phone. You're right. I it's costing me money. It's costing <laughs> me money. <laughs> I need to learn that. Uh, and i I just felt it, you know you get those feelings sometimes yeah. you just I, I just felt mean. like I know the other oh, guy's three to one favorite. I know why he's younger he's he's tremendous, he's all the things I just said he was, but I just said soon as i soon as I heard i I just saw him walking in there the way he walked in there, and then I heard him say that he was this is his last shot, obviously second title shot he's been uh he's been in the game 20 years and i look at him i just looked at his i don't know it was just the seriousness the steadfastness in his face in his eyes and and then i heard he's a three to one underdog i said oh my god he's gonna win this fight he's gonna he he's gonna win this fight because he's got what i just described that Wilder had going for him even though water didn't pull it off Wada gave himself a chance where otherwise he wouldn't have had a chance because he was searching for something else and I said this guy is in a different position than Wada Wada wasn't good enough technically and quite frankly f- you know s- physically in the other areas except for the right hand in the other areas that Fury was this guy Texera was he was equal in, just in all the areas and and he had this he had this he had the last chance in his life to be somebody now now understand what i just said i'm not saying that he the rest of his life he wouldn't have been nobody i'm not saying that but he only wanted to be one freaking thing he wanted to be a champion That's why he was a landscaper. He didn't want to be a landscaper. He was a freaking landscaper because that's how he could be a UFC fighter. Because he had to make money somewhere while he wasn't making money and while he was paying his dues to be a UFC champion someday. He didn't want to be a landscaper. (coughs) He had to do that. But he wanted to be a champion. And this was his last chance to be that. His last chance to be that. And he wasn't going to be denied. He wasn't going to get out of that freaking ring. And like he said so beautifully, so eloquently, for the big animal that he is, so eloquently, he said afterwards in a post-fight interview, said, how did you do this? He goes, I knew. This is my house. (laughs) My house. I've lived in this house for 20 years. I know where every speck of blood is. (laughs) you gotta love it he looked at the floor and i remember in a couple fights prior to that somebody got caught and i remember seeing when they had a camera shot on the canvas i remember taking note in my head that the blood was all over the canvas and so he's literally looking at what i had seen on on a obviously in the pictures earlier and he's looking and he's saying this is my house i live in this house i've lived in this house for 20 years i know where every speck of blood is in this house (laughs) and he did he said, I'm comfortable in this house, and I wasn't leaving this house without what's mine, what's mine, and he was, that was it, that was it, everything else, but that was it, that was the extra, you know, that that's that's the extra thing, that thing, that thing, that was that thing, that we all yeah. strive for, that we all strive for, that, that thing that gnaws at us, that, you know, that... We think it annoys us. It doesn't annoy us. It prepares us. It ensures us. It looks out for us. For all of you out there, that was a beautiful lesson. For everybody out there that believed that at one time they had a destiny for something special and they committed to it and then they started doubting if they ever did have a destiny. They started wondering, did I ever have a destiny? yeah you did it's up to you to not give up on it too soon because it's your destiny for it to take this long it was his destiny for it to take 20 years that was that was it Ken that was his journey somebody's journey some people's journeys shorter some are longer that was his destiny that that it's like you're going down a road right and you want to get somewhere it's your destiny it's your journey you want to get somewhere and suddenly a freaking giant tree falls right in front of your path and guess what it holds you up and when at the end of the day with all the time that it took to remove that tree to get that tree out of your path so you could continue your journey towards your destiny with all that time you start to think it's not your destiny you start to think that oh it took too much time (coughs) the time that i lost doing this it kept me (coughs) excuse me it kept me from my destiny it's going gonna, it's gonna to deter me from my journey. No, it's not. No, it's not. You know what it's going to do? The muscles that you develop picking up that freaking tree <laughs> that, that you didn't think you were going to have to pick up on your journey that you think just wasted time, the muscles you developed in picking up that tree to clear the path are the muscles that you're going to use down the road to fulfill your destiny. And you never knew it. If you didn't pick up that tree, you wouldn't have been strong enough down the road to get to where you wanted to get and to accomplish your mission, your goal, your destiny. That's how you got to think. That's the truth. And that's my message to all of you. It was already given by somebody better than me, a guy named Tuxera, a guy named Champion. But I would just fill it in like i said the first day i started this this podcast with my good friend ken now i said i wanted to be more than just delivering news and and obviously opinion and strategy of fight and uh, understand better in depth what these fighters these gladiators these warriors go through to understand more than just the abcs of it more than the x's and o's of it to to understand what's really at stake at risk what's really behind all this but at the end of the day i said i hope to use this podcast as a way of connecting the dots in life in a fight that we're all in and for me Today was another opportunity to connect those dots, because of the champion Texera, what he did, and how he did it, and how he got there. It was it was special.
0: Yep. Well, speaking of great champions, let's congratulations again to Glover Texera, and let's turn our attention to boxing, and we've got the um, the current king of pay, at least pay per view king. The great canelo alvarez in action this coming saturday night against nashville's own caleb plant uh caleb a big underdog in this one you wouldn't know it listen to him talk he sounds very confident i like caleb i hope he does well but he's in tough this weekend against the golden goose canelo alvarez what are you looking for in this one teddy i'll
1: get past the first part of the movie For those people that sometimes want to see the end of the movie, um, I'll get past the previews and go right to the end of the movie. If you want to know what's going to happen, just go back and watch Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders. I think it's a repeat. I think it's as close a repeat as you could get. I think that Plant is very similar to Saunders, except Saunders might have been more physical. A little bit stronger, but same sort of style, maybe mentality. Um, Maybe, uh, maybe plant is a little quicker. Uh, But at the end of the day, both guys that made their living basically boxing, being technically sound in pretty much all areas, but not. And I said the same thing when I picked... Canelo to knock out Saunders to beat Saunders and a lot of people were getting on me saying oh no Saunders is going to pull it off Saunders is going to blah 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 whatever I'm not right all the time we know that but when I break down a fight you know how I what I feel like Ken I feel like obviously there's no guarantees I'm not giving anyone a guarantee to go to my bookie and say okay put the house down no uh, I'm not ever doing that but uh, for me, my job is to give them a roadmap of what it it take to get there. To make them an informed better. To give them all the information to make them as informed as possible. It's to have a map of where the freak they're going. You know? At the end of the day, they might wind up in Oshkosh. I don't know. I mean, um, I, 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 w- without navigation, I'd be freaking dead. I'm, uh, You know, I'd be dead. And somebody has to put it in my car, by the way. I can't even put it myself. Somebody's got to come in. Where you want to go, Ted? All right, let me type this in. Beep, 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 beep. And they type it in, and guess what? I'm okay. As long as somebody doesn't call me and talk to me, and then I make that right hand turn in 300 feet and i oh damn it that was 200 feet ago (laughs) damn it i'm lost again (laughs) i'm lost again but that's that's for me that's my job just to give you a map of what you should be looking out for and it's Identical to what I said in the analysis and the lead up to Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders. I said that Saunders is the kind of guy like Plant that is technically good in probably almost every area. He's got pretty good legs. He's got pretty good form with his punches. He's got decent speed, he's not terribly slow. Uh you know, he's he's got uh he knows how to he knows how to box on the outside. He knows how to counter. He knows how to fight inside if he has to. He's he's a guy that's pretty well rounded and situated and, and pretty much all, kinda checks all the boxes you would want to check to call yourself a proficient decent boxer but there's one thing as as well rounded and proficient as he is in pretty much in pretty much every area the one thing that Saunders was not and Plant is not Neither one of them is great in one area. See, that's the problem. They're all pretty good in one area, in all areas, but none of them are great in one area. And When you want to beat a guy like Canelo, you probably got to be great or pretty damn close to it in one area to beat a guy who is very good, if not great, in a couple areas you have to be great in at least one area to beat that guy. At the end of the day, anything that they can do, Canelo can deal with at a better level, at a higher level. And again, if you want to be the store, you want to be that store that's better than Macy's, better than Gimbel's, better than... I don't even know if Gimbal's around anymore. Um, better than Bloomingdale's. You better have a store that has one department in it, Ken, that's better, at least as good, if not better, than some of their departments. At least one. Oh, as a store, you don't have to have all of them, but you better have one department where you have better quality product than them. One, just one department. Otherwise, you got no shot over Macy's, over Bloomingdale's. Well, I don't think that plan has a shot over Macy's or Canelo because he doesn't have that one department where you can kind of wrap your hopes around and say, okay, I can win the fight if I'm good enough in this one department, if I concentrate in this one department, I can win the fight. I can hurt them. I can outspeed them. I can outfinesse them. But they don't have that one department. You know, they're both decent defensively. Canelo and Billy Joe. They were both decent. They don't go out there and say, hey, come on, hit me. But they're not a ghost in a ring. I'm not saying you have to be Complete ghost, but maybe you have to beat Casper, the friendly ghost. A little bit. Because if he can find you, if he can hit you, he's he's got a good chance at this point in his career of doing damage and getting rid of you. I think that the game plan will be the same as it was for Saunders, box on the outside, keep him off balance, you know, plant, keep Canelo off balance, box on the outside, outsmart him, you know, outmaneuver him, and don't get trapped on the ropes, you know, don't stand in front too long. You know, do all those things. I just think somewhere along the line, you know, the great Joe Lewis, they can run, but they can't hide. I just think... Somewhere along the line, Canelo will have his moment. And I think it'll probably be to the body. Because even if you box well, the one place that you can hit somebody is the body. And if somebody's got good legs, Plan has decent legs, he's going to have to show that. Well, going to the body can can sometimes take those legs away. Take the air out of the tires, like I often used to say when I was going to fights at the ESPN. Now someone else is probably saying it where take some air out of the, the radials and slow the guy down a little bit. Canelo's good with that left hook and the right hand to the body. He'll look to take some air out of the radials. I think the key to the fight, though, is for Canelo to use his jab. Forget about the body for a second. He's got to use, because if Plant does what I think he's going to do and what he should do, probably, and what gives them the best chance to be successful? Boxes on the outside. The jab is so important. Everyone looks at the jab. of The guy who has the jab as being important. Like 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 Muhammad Ali. You have to jab if you're fighting, you know, Joe Frazier or you know uh, or a, whoever. Somebody with a real good jab. You have to jab to beat Mike Tyson. But. The guy on the other side of the equation, in this case, whoever it is fighting, say, Tyson, that guy being Tyson, the guy who's going to press, the guy who's going to deal with the jab and have to overcome the jab, it's important for that guy to use his jab to at least make the guy honest, to give him something to think about, something to worry about, and something to keep him busy. Something so he can't dominate you with the jab. So it's very important to me for Canelo to use that jab to to stabilize, to stabilize Plant on the outside, to keep him from having a jabbing party, to keep him from dominating with the jab, to keep him from just keeping him where he wants to keep him, to close the gap, to keep him honest. To keep him from pot-shotting. Because if, if Canelo's not jabbing, Plant's going to look to pot-shot, which, which Saunders did in spots effectively until he finally wore him down and broke him down and got to him. But, so the jab is really important for Canelo. Obviously, it's important for Plant, I know. But it's really important for Canelo not to just walk in and look for one shot. If he does that, then Plant's got as good a chance as he could have. But I just see Canelo using his jab to stabilize him, uh, plant, c- control him from pot-shotting, control him from having his way, track him down, and eventually stop him around the ninth round, tenth round, with a body shot
0: let me ask you this before we go any further for the guys at my bookie if you' know if you're gonna place a bet on this uh, fight please go to my bookie use the promo code Atlas for a 50 percent credit on your first deposit up to a thousand dollars um we love the guys at my bookie they've got lines on everything but Teddy the line on this fight is Canelo minus a thousand plus 500 on Caleb do you like Canelo enough to lay 10 to one odds?
1: I don't know if I like anyone, and I don't know if I like you enough to lay 10 to one on. Um, and I like you a lot. I like you a lot. All right. I don't know anything can happen. Anything can yeah. you know, a cut. Uh, I mean, things can' come out of the sky suddenly. Go ahead. All right, let me ask you this one. Over under, nine and a half. Under is
0: plus 105 over is minus 125. I would so give me the, give me the odds again. Nine and a half rounds. so halfway through the 10th plus 105 for the under minus 125 for the over
1: i go on i take a venture on the under i'm with you i I take a venture on the under um and i'll tell you one other thing i've talked about the other fights about something in the air something special that x factor you know that intangible (laughs) i'll tell you what the intangible here is ken um this fight might have been won or lost might have been lost already it could be it could have been won it could have been lost maybe maybe neither but when they did that press conference and canelo shoved him, and then he came back with the punch plant came back with the punch when canelo slipped that punch and then counted back and wound up cutting him his glasses whatever it was but he came back with the counter he might have won the fight right there put it this way he may have made it he might have made the odds go up to 1,000 to what it is now. I don't think they were that, that high at the time. I really don't. But he might have made the odds go up because he might have made it more difficult for Plant to win because one of the intangibles, one of the X factors that you can't quantify physically, but it's there. To pull off an upset, you have to have belief you can pull off the upset. You got to have that confidence, that belief. A lot of times you'll talk to a guy that pulls off a humongous upset like Buster Douglas with Tyson, 30 to 1 underdog, and afterwards he said, "I always knew I was going to win," and they, and they really they believed it. You have to have that belief. Some of that belief might have been lost at that moment. Maybe I'm wrong, but some, that's part of the bad. put it this way, the hill that he's climbing, plant <laughs> it got a little higher. It got a little steeper when that happened. To overcome that, to make sure that that doesn't interfere with his mindset, the psychology that he has to have going into this fight, that 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 became a part of it. That suddenly played into it. That that happened. You know, sometimes you can be in the locker room and you can lose a fight. You could just lose a fight in a locker room. You could lose a fight walking to the ring. Yeah. Something psychologically just goes awry. It just gets it just gets twisted. So you remember something, you think of something, you see something. And believe it or not, that can happen. Does it happen to the great ones? No. But it can happen to a guy who wants to know if he could be great. That hasn't found out if he can be great yet. Sometimes and it may it might play in.
0: Yeah, and to your point, he opened at a plus 900, uh, minus 900 minus nine hundred, and grew to minus 1,000 possibly after that press conference. But um, yeah, that'll be an interesting one. So please, guys, check out my book. If you're going to bet on the fight, bet responsibly. Use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, uh, when you open a new account, and they'll give you a 50% credit up to $1,000 on your first deposit. And uh, speaking of my bookie. Hey, let's let uh, me say
1: one thing before you finish ahead. with that. I'm gonna just put this out there since you're talking about my bookie and stuff. That for those guys that want to take a chance on the other side of plant, is there a possibility that would happen at the press conference? Is there a possibility that that could play the opposite way, where Canelo could be overconfident now, thinking that this guy's nothing, that I just I just you know spanked him, I just spanked him. And <laughs> and sent them home crying, you know, in his mind, in his mind. And that even though he didn't send them home crying, but I'm just saying that he might be thinking, huh, ah, this fight's over. And just let up enough or take for granted enough where he doesn't need his jab. He could just walk in there and end the night. Just maybe. That could play too. Go ahead, Ken. Go 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 to it. One other thing before
0: we sign off that got announced, and I was just thinking about it because I was looking at it on my bookie is, uh, Jake Paul has announced his next opponent, uh, Tommy Fury, brother of the, uh, heavyweight champion Tyson Fury. They're going to fight late December, I think down at Tampa Bay, and they're almost, almost even. Uh, Fury's minus 125. Um, Jake Paul at minus 115. Not, I know that this won't be the greatest display of boxing, uh, skills but this will be a big draw and people do um do like to go to these events myself included and uh, I know that they'll want to hear your opinion on this so what's your initial thoughts at this matchup tell me if you're I think he's 7 or 8 and 0 uh, Jake Paul 4 and
1: oh listen I give Jake Paul credit that he found a way to make money he's doing it the American way he's found an honest way to make money and he believed in what he was doing and he went out there and he learned as much as he could learn and continues to do that with that attitude in boxing he didn't disrespect the sport a lot of people think he did he didn't disrespect he's going on to a a different aspect of the sport if you will it's not boxing in the realm of you know with the competition being the competition that it is when you turn on usually a a, a fight or boxing match of, uh, you know, it, it's obviously he's picking guys that weren't boxers, He's picking guys to, uh, MMA guys and you know different guys like that. But one one of them was a basketball player. But and then, but it, you know, and then he did a, hey, he did a good job with Woodley. Uh, you know, obviously was a champion UFC fighter uh, and a decent striker. But the thing that I give him credit for is. <laughs> He respected the sport enough to go out there and get a trainer, and to work his backside off, to try to get as good as he could. And then he's being smart; he's picking his spots, and he found a way to make money. He can't you can't really knock a guy for that. And again, for the people that say he's disrespecting the sport or he's uh, diminishing the sport, no, he's not. He he's found the he's found a different dimension, a different outlet. Uh, you know uh, he found a different forum to do what he's doing it's a whole separate forum that he's kind of invented in a way I mean he brought back celebrity boxing that used to be around 20 years ago um, but he brought it to a higher level or higher uh, being with the internet with the social media he was able to bring it to a much different level uh, and a lot more money uh so it's not boxing it's it's a you know again it's a it's it's a different it's a different wing of it it's a different dimension it's a different outlet of it um where he's choosing his guys and he's a guy that you know had is learning on the job uh you know learning with these fights and he's fighting a guy now that's not wasn't an MMA guy wasn't a basketball player. Listen, the guy Fury is not Godzilla, you know. He's not his brother, uh, obviously Tyson Fury, but he's a guy who had about twelve amateur fights. That's not a lot, but it's more than it's more than uh it's more than Paul had. And he's had about what what Ken seven or eight pro fights yep. now, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. So. I think it's seven, whatever it is. So so he's had seven or eight pro fights, twelve amateurs somewhere in that neighborhood. And he's a guy that is gonna be a little bit of a different animal, uh, for Paul. In a way again, he he's not fighting you know, he's not fighting Tyson Fury, you know, or even Ty Fury. <laughs> <want> uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, take a few letters off there, but he's fighting a guy who did consider himself a fighter, uh, who does consider himself a fighter with his with his background, his heritage, you know, the, where he comes from. Um, that he did, he didn't turn pro to be uh, for this to happen. He turned pro thinking that his career, if he had one. Would be just strictly in boxing, and now this opportunity because of his name and is it uh, what's going on with Paul, the attraction, the, you know, the just the phenomena that's that's there now uh, with these matches that he could fit in and make more money than he ever dreamed he could make and make it so fast. Having said all of that, um, I don't this I don't. take for granted uh, and dismiss uh, Paul because he's been pretty damn smart in picking his opponents he sees something and he picks them pretty damn smart, no different than Mayweather who of course one of the great fighters I'm not, believe me I'm, I'm not trying to compare him in, in a boxing way to Mayweather but Mayweather was smart in picking his opponents, especially later in his career and nobody really knocked him for it, he was pretty damn smart Picking picking a spot. And so I don't know that he should be knocked for picking his opponents. And he's been picking them pretty damn good. Maybe, maybe he made a little mistake here. Because of what I just described. The other guy has the mentality of a boxer. Not an MMA guy. Not a basketball player. And he's got more experience in that realm, obviously, for the first time than anybody who's getting in the ring with Paul. So, or has gotten in the ring with Paul up to this point. So, right now I would favor Fury. Uh one thing that hurts him, he's not a big puncher, but he again he's he's more developed in the realm of boxing. He's he's a little more developed and it's going to be interesting. You know, I I was a little surprised when I heard it because I thought what's the attraction here with Fury? Like I saw the attraction with Woodley. I saw the attraction with uh the basketball player that he's a basketball player was no that, that Woodley was an MMA fighter, that Askren was an MMA champion. I, I saw that draw, but I was thinking Fury hasn't done anything to really get you out there to say, Oh, you know, he he's part of the attraction, he's part of the pull that pulls me in. But the name I guess attached to Tyson Fury and Paul just being where he is now <clears throat> where people want to see how far this goes and when when this balloon gets punctured and crashes to earth, you know. Uh, he's got people like Ali used to have. Ali used to say "After people come to the arena to, to see me get killed, half the people come to see me win, uh, but all of them come and they all pay. There's no freebies. So he's 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 doing that. <coughs> he's doing that. And um, at the end of the day, if I had to make a quick pick for my bookie, which I don't, but if I did, I would probably favor and say there's a reason exactly for what I just broke down. For me, at least in my mind, for what I know about this business, they have the right guy, the favorite. Fury.
0: Interesting. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that line moves over the coming weeks uh, leading up to that fight. In, uh I think it's December 18th, if I'm not mistaken. But um, Teddy, this was a good one today. We covered a lot and uh, I appreciate you doing this. I will see you in New York this coming weekend. We've got a lot to cover. Tons of fight action coming up this weekend. Big UFC card, as we've discussed already, Canelo and Caleb Plant. So we'll have a lot to break down.
1: Oh yeah, a hundred percent, Kenan. I just want to use that moment you just reminded me of it. Uh, thank you. Uh, where people are going to be for the lookout because you're coming in. We're going to do a fight plan. Uh, yeah, on on the uh, Porter Crawford fight, which is a very interesting fight. A very I I have Crawford my number one. Pound for pound, guy in the world right now. So yeah, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because I I used the term gatekeeper earlier. Porter's a gatekeeper for the welterweight division. Uh, for sure. He is uh, yeah. You know he he's only lost twice. He's lost to top guys and uh, to Spencer Thurman. Thurman at the time was was definitely a top guy, and he uh, he's competitive with everybody. He, you know, he's 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 a truck that that just trucks on, and he he tests people. He tests people with their will, obviously physically. He tests them, uh, but mentally he tests them because he's that ocean that keeps coming to the shore, pounding away, pounding away, wave after wave. So it's gonna be very, it, it's it's gonna be interesting, and uh, we're doing a fight plan on it. So just letting the people know ahead of time to be on the lookout for that fight plan and uh for Ken having really good legs in that fight plan because uh he would have by that time uh you would have run a marathon by then right that's right uh, yeah and he'd be the uh, and, and I I might have to call him champion that day
0: <laughs> that's, that's that's the plan Well, listen, thanks for doing this, Teddy. It was great seeing you as always. And guys, thanks for being with us. Please subscribe to the channel, share the links. You know the drill. Thank you for being with us and uh, everyone have a great week.